Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unbroken groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, short scripture today. Um, as, we, as we embark on this series on prayer, we're, we're getting into dangerous territory. One, because I'm going to be preaching most of the series. Other people will be preaching a little bit during the series, but I'm going to be mostly preaching, um, and I'm not an expert. And if we're honest, none of us are really experts on prayer. And so we're entering dangerous territory because the assumption might be that the person speaking uh, is an expert on prayer and we're not, okay? Um, when we come to the topic of prayer, I speak as someone who knows the Bible and who is a very imperfect prayer, um, just so that you are aware. Um, but, but there's a second reason we're entering dangerous territory, um, and that is because I truly believe that if we take the Bible seriously about prayer and we as a people become a praying people, stuff just might happen. If we take God seriously about prayer and we come to Him and we pray to Him and we commit ourselves to praying, God will do things. It will happen. That's a promise of Jesus. In fact, Jesus' very brother James said, sometimes you don't have because you never asked God. You get jealous and you get frustrated with each other and you envy other people when God is longing to give you these things, but you never asked for them. And I believe that when we pray, it moves God. Not as a magic spell, not if so, if we say the right words, God is obligated to answer in a particular way, but because this is how God arranged things. This was God's will to have us ask for things. And through the scripture, we see God doing things in response to prayer that God would not have done without prayer. And sometimes in a church that is from a reformed background where we assume the sovereignty of God and God will do what God does because God is God and he already has a plan, we downplay that aspect of prayer because we think, how could we little humans possibly move the eternal God? And yet that is what the scripture tells us. In fact, there are places in the scripture where God changes his mind in response to the prayers of humans. That's explicit in the Bible. And we can argue about what that means. We can argue about what the real theological reality is behind it. But I'm going to take scripture at face value on this and say there are times that God says, I was going to do something, but because my people prayed to me and asked for something else, that's what I did. And so I think that if we as a body, as a people of God devote ourselves to prayer as the most important thing we do as followers of Jesus, we will see God respond. And we will see the stories, we will hear the stories of miraculous, incredible things that God will do in response to our prayers. 
But we begin here in Romans chapter 8, because before we pray, we got to understand what's already happening in the heavenly realms. And what's happening is God is already praying for you. God himself is already praying for you. Have you ever considered that? This was something new to me. And it's crazy because I've read these scriptures a hundred times. I know what Jesus is doing in heaven because the scripture tells us what Jesus is doing in heaven. Sitting at the right hand of God the Father and interceding for us, being our advocate before God. So when we fail, when we fall, when we mess up, Jesus is right there next to God the Father saying, remember me. Remember what I did for him or her. And I've always thought of that in terms of Jesus as like this lawyer before the judge, right? Arguing our case, pleading our case before God on the basis of what he has done. But then we come to other places where it says Jesus is always interceding for us. And that is a prayer word. Intercession, interceding for us is a word of prayer. Jesus is praying for you all the time. That's what it says right here in Romans. Twice, actually. In the verses that we read, we read that Jesus is interceding. And then a little bit further down in verse 34, where we read, Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for you all the time. All the time. And that should be an incredible comfort because we are terrible prayers. We just are. I mean, throughout the history of the church, you can name on a couple of hands the people who have been really incredible at prayer, who have really given themselves to prayer and the things that they've seen God do in response to prayer. In the history of the church, there honestly haven't been that many saints who above all else were prayers. We got people who are good prayers who were also good other things, good scholars, good pastors, good leaders, and we remember them for those things. But then there are those people that we remember for prayer. And when we pray... We are entering into an ongoing conversation that's already taking place. We are terrible prayers, but we come to pray because Jesus is already praying for us. And that's what the Apostle Paul is is addressing here in these verses in Romans chapter 8. He's been talking about suffering and struggle. He's writing to a church in Rome. So, the Apostle Paul was called by Jesus. Paul never met Jesus in the flesh Paul was a Pharisee. He was persecuting the church in its early days. And Paul is on the way to another town. And he's on his way to Damascus in Syria to come up upon this group of Christians. Paul is, Paul is kind of traveling around and he's identifying these group of, groups of Christians so he can kind of eradicate this heretical sect of Judaism. That's how Paul saw it. Paul saw Christians as heretics to Jewish 
law, to Jewish theology. And so he was trying to route them out, root them out of the people. And so Paul would go from place to place and find these. And he had a, he had a decree. He had a written edict that gave him permission to do this, a legal permission to do this. He would travel around and find these groups of Christians and try and eradicate them. And then on his way to Damascus one day, he's, he's riding along and Jesus, boom, appears to him, blinds him, knocks him off his donkey there and says, I want you to follow me. And by the way, you're going to suffer for me. You're going to follow me. You're going to be my apostle. And so Paul becomes this apostle and his main task is to go to non-Jewish people. Paul didn't go to Jewish people anymore. Now Paul's main task is to go to non-Jewish people and tell them about the king of the Jews who has come, this King Jesus who's come to save them from their sins and adopt them into God's kingdom, God's family. And that's what he does. He travels around. Only Paul doesn't get to Rome. He's writing letters and he's, he's preaching in these different towns. And somewhere along the way as he's preached, people from Rome, largely merchants, have been in the towns where Paul is preaching and they become followers of Jesus. And then they go back to Rome and they found a church. And they go to the synagogues and they talk to Jewish people and they, and they, they share the good news of Jesus. And a church grows up in Rome. So the church in Rome is really unique because Paul didn't found it. He didn't plant it. Like he didn't go there with the intent of starting a church. It was just that he had been traveling around and all these people from Rome that have heard the gospel have now gone back and have started this church. And so Paul writes this letter to Rome, to the church in Rome, having never been there. Having never been there with them. right? Not being there to lead the church. And so he's, he's addressing some of the issues, because you can imagine in the capital of the empire, there might be some unique pressures on the church. There are two places in the biblical world that the church really has the hardest time. One is Jerusalem, and the other is Rome. Now, it struggles in lots of other places, because there are lots of big Jewish communities that don't want the church there. There are lots of Gentile communities that aren't really super excited about them either, but in Jerusalem and Rome, the church faces unique pressures. In the capital of the Roman Empire, the church is facing unique pressures. And so Paul is writing to them for a number of different things. He's writing to these Roman Christians to encourage them first in their faith, to say, you're amazing. Like You are living in the shadow of the empire. You are, you are in the capital. You're in the center of it all. This is amazing. He's writing to teach them because he hasn't been there to teach them before and he doesn't know what kind of teaching they've received. And so he's writing to, to teach them, which is why Romans is like one of the most theological letters that we have. It really is setting a foundation for the church. And he's writing to help them through some of the pressures and persecution they're feeling there in the capital. And as we come to chapter 8, that's kind of where we are. There's a lot that is standing against the church in Rome. And in chapter 8 at the beginning, Paul is saying, look, as it regards these present sufferings, these struggles that you're having now, Jesus is so much better. And he will see you through, through the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. That's the message of chapter 8. And in the process of encouraging these people who are struggling, that the Holy Spirit working through them will get them through their present trials and present struggles, he comes to this portion about prayer. And it's not, it's not as though Paul like, is, is teaching one thing and then steps aside and is like, oh, by the way, prayer, and then steps back into what he's saying. He's lacing this in. 
Because prayer is part of the regular routine, the warp and woof of the Christian life. Prayer is woven in. You see, in the early church, because it was a Jewish movement, they adopted Jewish practices, and the Jewish practice is to pray three times a day, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and then in the evening. So you, you pray at the morning prayer, you pray at the midday prayer, you pray at the evening prayer. And so the church did this. That was their practice. Praying three times a day. Praying the Shema or praying the Kaddish or praying at, at the time that you'd gather with other, other followers of, of Yahweh, other, other Jewish people or other followers of Jesus. And so they, they adopt these practices. And so Paul's just assuming prayer is a regular part of their lives. Not like in some of the churches today where we, we can't just assume that. But Paul's assuming prayer is a normal rhythm. And he's saying, though, when we come to the portion that we're about, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit working within you will, will carry you through the struggles that you're dealing with. When we come to where we are, he's like, by the way, you know you're not a great prayer. Right? You know, you come to pray sometimes and you're just like, Bleh. Or worse, maybe not worse, but or in the same vein, like you come to pray these prayers and you just don't mean them. Because these guys were not generally praying like we think of prayer, like off the cuff, off the top of their head. They were praying set prayers. They were praying the Psalms. They were praying what's called the Shema. They were praying the Kaddish. They were praying these different Jewish prayers and adapting them for a Christian community. And so they're praying preset prayers. They're not off the cuff. They're not spontaneous. And Paul's saying, but when you come to pray and you don't know what to pray, or you just don't mean the words that you're saying, it's okay. It's all right. He's encouraging them. Like, you struggle with prayer. That's okay. Anybody here struggle with prayer? Right? Anybody here have a hard time knowing what to pray, when to pray, how to pray? You feel selfish when you pray because you're mainly asking for stuff. Like, anybody ever struggle with that? Here's a great encouragement to you. The very first Christians did too. 2,000 years ago, people were having the exact same struggles with prayer that you are having right now. It is not a condition of your culture or the time and place that you live or any of that. It's being human. Humans struggle to pray, and yet we are built for it. We are meant for prayer. Prayer is why we were created. I know that's a big statement, but intimacy with God and communion with God is the very reason that we were made. And the way that we do that is through prayer. It is the reason we exist. And it is the most important thing that we do. And so Paul comes and is being really real with people and saying, you struggle to pray. And here's the encouragement. Not here's five steps to perfect prayer. Not, here's the 10-step path to being heard by God. Not, here are the three steps to getting all of your wishes fulfilled by saying the right words to God. Paul says, God's already praying for you. The Holy Spirit is already praying for you. When you pray, you join in a divine conversation that's already happening. And the Holy Spirit in you fills in all those gaps that you can't. And fills it in in ways that you can't understand with inexpressible groanings, right? You come to God and you're like, blah, 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 and the Holy Spirit in you is talking to God the Father and telling him everything. Everything you can't articulate. Everything you can't say. And so some of the most potent times of prayer may be times that you don't even know what to say. 
but you still take the step to step into God's presence. And that's the issue for many of us, isn't it? We don't know what to pray, so we don't. We don't know what to say, so we don't pray. Or we're sitting around at home and we're bored because things are done and I've got a few extra minutes of quiet and so we turn to our phone or we turn something on rather than stepping into prayer because prayer feels awkward and I don't know what to do. And Paul here is saying, when you struggle and you don't know and you still take the step of faith to step into prayer and be with God, don't worry, the Holy Spirit is there praying for you. Already. When we pray, we join a conversation that's already happening amongst God himself. The Holy Spirit is praying to King Jesus, who is interceding on your behalf to God the Father. Already. We don't pray on our own merits. We don't pray because we're awesome prayers. We pray because God is already praying for us. And we enter into that conversation with God. With God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit working through us. This is incredibly good news because it takes the pressure off. It means I can literally sit in silence with God and know that everything that needs to be said is already being said. That's the basis of our communion with God. I have a hard time on the phone. I've, I've confessed this before. I have a really hard time on the phone. I hate the phone. I hate making phone calls. I hate receiving phone calls. It's just not where I live. I would love to sit across from a breakfast table with absolutely anybody. I would love to, to have a long text chain going with anybody, but to sit on the phone and talk is just boof. And I got a couple family members who don't even talk. They want to be on the phone and just sit there. I'm like, I got stuff to do. Like, what, what are we doing here? So there are family members that I'm like, Especially if there's something like bad going on in the family and they just want to have a family member to be present with them and just be quiet on the phone together. And that to me is, oh, it's just, it's really hard, right? And so the idea of sitting in silence with someone is like really a struggle for me. And yet I realize that there are times that that's what the person on the other end really needs is just for me to sit in silence with them. And there are times that I need that, someone just to sit in silence with me, just to be there with me. That's what God wants from us all the time. If you're at the point in your life or your spiritual life or your prayer life where you can't muster anything more than to sit in silence with God, that is enough. And it's more than enough. If you're at the point where you're like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I'm so overwhelmed, or I don't want to feel like I'm just asking for things, I, I don't have any clue, and, and, and you're at the point where it's so much easier to get distracted by other things because you just don't know, just understand that God is happy to sit with you in silence and just be with you, just to be with you, and that's enough. And that gets to something else that we do often in prayer. Often in prayer, we try to dress up our language. Right? We talk in prayer like we would not talk to any other human being ever. Right? We talk in prayer like we're talking to King Edward VIII, like not, not like my brother or my sister, right? Like we think we have to have this special language in prayer that like, so God will hear us, right? I need to use the these and the those. Or I need to say just all the time. Or I need to say God, Father God, like every other word, or God won't hear me. I, I, 
we talk in prayer and we babble on sometimes in prayer, partly because we don't know what to do and partly because we think that God only hears in a certain language or a certain style of voice. Here's, here's a fact. God knows you better than that and is not fooled. He's not fooled when we try to use special language for prayer. God is not fooled when we come and we feel like we have to add in and pepper in these different words and things. In fact, Jesus himself says, don't babble on like those people do. Don't just keep talking because you think God will hear you for all the words that you're using or the special language that you're using. Just speak to God. And so we begin in prayer by recognizing that we're entering a conversation that's already ongoing and that gives us freedom to do and say anything in prayer because God is already praying for us. It gives us permission to be silent and quiet and just sit in communion with God and not have to say anything. And then it gives us the freedom to be real with God and to say what's on our mind without dressing it up, without using flowerly flowerly language, without trying to impress God in any way because God is not impressed with you at all. It gives us permission to just be real with God. And finally, it gives us permission to keep going, to keep praying. God won't get tired of you. God won't get tired of hearing from you. He won't get tired of being with you. What God wants from you more than anything else is to be with him, to be present with him. And you can't bug God. You can't. I think the only thing we can do to really annoy God is to come to God with all of our stuff in our hands and be like, look at me, Lord. Look at how amazing I am. But if we come before God with humility, just longing for his presence, just looking to be with him and to share with him about our days, we can't annoy God. The fact that God is already in conversation about you. The Holy Spirit is already praying for you. Jesus is already interceding for you. God the Father is already hearing about you. Now he wants to hear from you. And so we have the permission to just keep praying, keep coming to God, keep sharing. Share with God about the most mundane things in your day. Share with God about the most mundane things. Yes, he's already seen it. Yes, he already knows, but he wants to hear from you about it. It's like when we go someplace with our kids, we hang out with our kids for the day, We were with them the whole time. We experienced everything right there with them. We saw their face and their reaction and their eyes and the places that we went. We know what they were thinking. And yet the car ride home is so much more fun when they want to tell us all the stuff, all the things, right? Don't you love to hear from your kids when they're excited about something that happened and you were right there with them? Because you get to see through their eyes and you get to experience it from their perspective and you get to, you get to hear through them. And that's, I think that's the way God approaches us so often. It's like, yes, God was there with us. He's been present with us the whole time. He knows exactly what happened. And yet God delights to hear from you and me about our days, about our lives, about how we're feeling and what we're thinking. God delights to hear from you. Even though he knows it all, he is a good, good dad who just wants to hear from his kids about their lives and their loves and their concerns and their pains and their struggles. And he won't get annoyed with you unless you try to impress him. 
But as long as you're being real, God is here for it. When we pray, we enter a conversation that's already happening between God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. And we have the permission to not know what to pray and know that God's work is still being done. We have permission to be real and to share absolutely anything and not have to dress up our language to talk to God. And we have permission to just keep coming back over and over and over again because your father wants to hear from you. He's already hearing about you. He's already in conversation about you. Now he wants your voice to join in. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to be using this simple framework for prayer. I got to confess, I'm totally stealing this from Pete Gregg. So you can look up Pete Gregg's books on prayer. He's an amazing pastor and writer about prayer. And so I'm stealing these three things from him. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about praying and keeping it simple, keeping it real, and keeping it up. When we come to pray, the permission that we receive from the fact that God is already talking about us is that we can keep it simple and keep it real and we just keep it up, keep coming back. That'll be the framework as we go forward. As we talk about ways to pray, how we pray, how we come to prayer, but it starts, it starts by understanding that God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear from you. And if at any point in your life or any point in the past weeks or any point this morning you have ever felt like you are a burden to God, I want to unburden you of that right now and let you know that your Father in heaven loves you more dearly than you love anybody in your life and your Father in heaven desperately wants to hear from you and be with you. And so in the coming week, I issue you this invitation. Take five minutes in the morning before you start your day and just sit with God. Try this breath prayer. Try in the morning when you wake before a screen, before anything else, even before your Bible. In the morning when you wake, take the first five minutes and begin by praying, my God and my all. Nothing else, just those words, my God and my all. And sit there in quiet and see what God says to you. Prayer is not just us talking to God. Prayer is communion with our Father. And so begin, those, begin each day with those, that, that one thing. And then at some point during the day, pray the Lord's Prayer. Not one of your own, not spontaneous. Just at some point during the day, pray the Lord's Prayer. Usually around lunchtime, when you've got a little break, something like that, when you've got a quiet space. So start the day with five minutes of silence, Just pray, my God and my all, and let God speak to you. And then at some point during the day, pray the Lord's Prayer. We'll start there, because most of us don't know what to pray. We don't really know what to say. But Romans 8 here has assured us that when we don't know, God is already praying on our behalf. Go to your Father and just be with Him. God, thank you so much for already being engaged in a conversation about us. Thank you that when we come to pray, we are already on your mind. You're already interceding on our behalf, Jesus. Thank you for assuring us that we don't have to be perfect prayers, 
Thank you that you are already advocating for us, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as a community, as a body, as people, we would learn to be present with you in every moment of our days. Would you give everyone here the margin and the space that they need and the will that they need to just sit in silence with you in the morning, to begin their day in communion with you, and to engage you with prayer throughout their day. God, help us as we take these baby steps. Give us the assurance that you're with us. And I pray, Lord, as we step into prayer, I, I, my request for you, Jesus, as we step into prayer as a community, is that we would begin to see the miraculous works of God amongst this community. And we would hear in the coming months radical testimonies of the work that you have done in the lives of the people here and in the lives of the people they're praying for and in our community and our world as we pray over all of the things that we can't do anything about. Pray for the miraculous in this body so that you, Lord Jesus, alone can get the glory for everything. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.